Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. As it goes to court to challenge EPA, Plains Cotton Grower says new dicamba restrictions would leave Texas High Plains cotton farmers too vulnerable to weed pressure. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. Wholesale turkey prices up, production down. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Wheat planting continues in the central Texas blacklands. This is Dr. Shai McClellan and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, let's kick things off with a look at news headlines. Plains Cotton Growers is teaming up with the American Soybean Association in a lawsuit against the Environmental Protection Agency over new dicamba restrictions. So what remedy is PCG seeking? James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Plains Cotton Grower CEO Steve Verrett says the organization is pleased that EPA is authorizing over-the-top use of dicambo products for the next five years, but he says the nationwide July 30th cutoff date for applying the herbicides is too early for Texas High Plains cotton farmers whose growing seasons in many cases don't begin until mid-June and can last well into the fall. There can still be significant weed pressure after July 30th. Verrett says Plains Cotton Growers wants the restrictions amended to allow cotton farmers to continue applying dicamba for 60 days or more after their local crop insurance planting deadlines. We're not asking for any other changes in the total amount of applications, the total application pounds, any of that. We just feel like that we need to have more flexibility in when growers can apply. Verrett is also concerned that the increased downwind buffers EPA is imposing are too large, especially for farmers with smaller fields. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The cotton harvest in Texas continues to move forward. The latest USDA crop progress and condition report showing that 62% of the Texas cotton crop now out of the field. That is well ahead of the 46% five-year average pace. Cotton condition ratings about the same as the previous week. We're looking at 7% of the crop now rated excellent, 17% good. 26% fair, and 50% of the cotton crop rated poor to very poor. The grain markets got a big shot in the arm on Tuesday with USDA's latest World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report. It showed lower U.S. corn production here in 2020. Corn production now forecast at 14.5 billion bushels. That's down 215 million from the previous forecast. And that includes a reduction in the yield, now standing at 175.8 bushels an acre. 
with supply dropping and usage increasing. Corn ending stocks for the 2021 year will now drop 465 million bushels to 1.7 billion. That would be the lowest stocks number in seven years. And that's pushing the season average corn price up 40 cents. It now stands at an even $4 a bushel. The 2021 wheat outlook predicts stable supplies, higher domestic use, unchanged exports, and reduced ending stocks. The projected 2021 ending wheat stocks were reduced in the report by 6 million bushels, now coming in at 877 million. That's 15% lower than last year. However, the season average price for wheat was unchanged. It currently stands at 470 a bushel. Now, there was also a surprise in the report for cotton, but it was a mostly bearish surprise. USDA increasing the 2020 crop in its monthly supply and demand update. Most traders thinking the government would reduce the crop given all the adverse weather we've had, dry weather here in Texas and all of the storms that we've had hit the Delta and the Southeast. However, USDA upped the production in Kansas by 400,000 bales, and that is what made the difference. Also, domestic carryout remained unchanged at 7.2 million, but world carryout increased from 101.13 million to 101.4 million, and that's because of an increase in Chinese cotton production. Your Thanksgiving turkey will cost a little more this year. Tom Nicoletti tells why. My guest today is Dr. David Anderson. He is a Texas A&M AgriLife Extension economist joining us from College Station. Dr. Anderson, thanks for being with us uh, today as we talk about turkey supplies uh, down and prices up as the holidays approach. Thanksgiving not too far away. Why is this the case? Well, I think, you know, to look at the turkey market, you gotta we got to go back, you know, several years of Really, I think some notion of of some declining demand uh, and the industry kind of searching for the right number of turkeys to produce. And I always find, I think the turkey market is really interesting because it is so dominated by two things. One is Thanksgiving, the holidays, that classic whole turkey that we either roast or fry or smoke or however we like to do it. And the other part of the market is the year-round market, your your deli meats. But really, it's really a holiday-dominated whole bird market. And, and that's really where we are uh, when we talk about some tighter supplies, really industry searching for the right number of birds to produce. They've cut back a little bit. We see higher wholesale prices. Then we throw in the effects of coronavirus and the uncertainties that that has created in terms of demand. Coronavirus has certainly dominated 2020. And how do you see that impacting the turkey market and what uh, consumers will be paying for those turkeys uh, this holiday season? Well, I think the first thing we ought to think about is that it's it's highly likely a lot of us are going to be having a smaller gathering, maybe a few less people at the table uh, as we try to kind of stay apart as we as we deal with this. And so, you know, a s- smaller groups of people might mean folks go to the store looking for a smaller bird. In fact, maybe 
maybe more folks go to the store to buy more small birds, and so then we're left with some big birds that a smaller gathering might not be looking for. So I think that creates this uncertainty in the in the demand side of the turkey market. When we think about higher prices, you know, USDA's reported what I'd call sort of a wholesale bird price, uh, whether toms or, or hens, uh, is above, well above where we were a year ago. Uh, but I think it's important to remember that that's really, you know, a wholesale price. What we as consumers often see at the grocery store are, are turkeys paired up with some other items. Uh, it's really a, an item that stores use as a strategy to either sell some more items or partner with something else to to give consumers a good deal. Uh, I've seen some some things at my local store where it was paired up with a with a ham or or some other items and so you know I think it really uh, is one of those really interesting uh market phenomenons things we see at the store uh but really is kind of near and dear to all of us with this big Thanksgiving holiday coming up. That is Dr. David Anderson, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension economist in College Station. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wheat planting continues in the central Texas Blacklands. Dr. Shane McClellan has more from Waco. Most of the Central Texas Blackland region has received some rainfall over the past few weeks. However, we continue to be on the dry side. Stock tanks are a great indicator of deep soil profile moisture. If the stock tanks are low, then we have a lesser amount of moisture deep in the soil profile. We build deep soil moisture off of those large runoff-type rain events, which we just really haven't had in some time. Most stock tanks in the Central Texas region are much lower than we would want for this time of year. We do have some topsoil moisture, and that is very evident from all the ryegrass that is emerging. And this is the second flush of ryegrass. We have had a flush of ryegrass emerge back in late September, but most of that died due to lack of topsoil moisture between end of September and the end of October. We will need more rain in the near future to sustain that current ryegrass growth and emergence. Farmers in Central Texas will continue to plant wheat when the soil dries out. A lot of our farmers have their wheat in the ground, but those that don't, I expect them to plant until they're either finished or until we're lucky enough to get another rain. Wheat that was planted before our last rainfall event has emerged, hasn't received enough moisture to germinate and come up, and it's rowing. Most stands look very uniform and really consistent across most fields, more than normal. They just look really pretty for this time of year. The majority of hay from warm-season forages has been cut. There are a few hay meadows that are being baled right now. Our typical first frost event happens around November 7th, so our hay producers are really attempting to clean up those hay fields, get them cut and baled one more time before we get our typical uh, first freeze event. Now, many pastures have a new flush of green grass, but the growth of that warm-season grass has slowed or stopped. Livestock are starting to really hang out around the hay bales, especially on those cooler mornings. Until next time, this has been Dr. Sam McLellan from Waco. Texas landowners can help endangered whooping cranes as they make their way across Texas. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there is a lot of interest in using CBD on both humans and pets, but very little is known about the potential side effects. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that issue coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. With the legalization of hemp production in the U.S., there's a lot of interest now in using CBD, both in humans and in animals. But we really don't know much about the potential side effects. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at the issue. These days, CBD use is very common in animals and people, and yet we really do not have any controlled studies showing potential side effects. Although CBD is a natural product, this does not indicate that it cannot cause unwanted side effects or damage to internal organs. CBD has been touted for managing anxiety, seizures, cancer, and pain in dogs and cats. However, the Food and Drug Administration discourages its use in these species as data is scarce on the correct dose and long-term effects. A recent uncontrolled study found that CBD-rich products generally appeared safe in a small group of dogs and cats. The drug was administered twice daily for 12 weeks to eight adult dogs and cats with dogs eating soft chews and cats taking fish oil capsules, both containing CBD. Only 53 adverse events occurred in dogs, including vomiting and soft stool, while 1,100 adverse events occurred in cats, including licking, head shaking, pacing, chomping, gagging, and vomiting. Because this was not a controlled study, we do not know if these side effects were related to the CBD or the carrier. There were no changes in blood count, but there were some increases in liver values, and the consequences of this are unknown. The drug absorption in cats was 80% less than in dogs, but again, we do not know if that was due to the carrier or the drug. Currently, the FDA recommends not using CBD products in pets until further safety studies are performed. Although you may think being natural makes CBD safe, grain-free diets were also considered safe for dogs until we started seeing heart failure in dogs being fed grain-free foods. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas landowners can help endangered whooping cranes as they make their way across the state. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Over the past few decades, endangered whooping cranes have been brought back from the brink of extinction and now number around 500. How can you help whooping cranes as they move from Canada to winter on the Texas coast? Wade Harrell, U.S. Whooping Crane Recovery Coordinator for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, joins us with more. Particularly in migration, we see cranes stop at places like farm ponds on a small tract, small farm or ranch, and those are really important places for them to be able to kind of stop and refuel along the way. They are wetland animals, so protecting wetlands on your property is really important. And then the other thing is if you do see them, give them plenty of distance. Don't disturb them or harass them. Sit back, enjoy them from a reasonable distance. Get some nice photos, but try to let them have some peace and quiet as they make their way down to the coast. Texans should not try to feed the cranes. 
We discourage that because we want the birds to be able to forage and hunt for food naturally. Corn is aflatoxin issue for birds, as you may have heard. You never know when you have that kind of an issue that may come up. So we do tend to discourage people from putting out food for the birds. They seem to do quite well on their own and they can find quite a variety of natural foods out there. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department encourages Texans to report whooping crane sightings. Our partner at Texas Parks and Wildlife Department maintains what they call the Texas Whooper Watch, and you can look that up online. And they record those observations in iNaturalist, which can be accessed by the web or as a phone app. We do use those observations to uh, keep track of the birds as well. So that's certainly a tool out there for people to help us with. That was Wade Harrell from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmull. We saw a mixed trade in the livestock markets today. Live cattle closing higher, feeder cattle closing lower. The cotton market closed lower and the grain markets gave back some of those big gains we had yesterday. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup Jim. today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex on Wednesday. It looks like the live cattle market has been able to hang on to the big gains that we had Monday and add to those as we move throughout the week. However, different story for feeder cattle. We had a big jump on Monday, but then when the grain prices started increasing on Tuesday after USDA's crop report, that caused the feeder cattle market to move lower. We closed out on Wednesday with December live cattle up 52 cents, 112.40. February up 17 at 115.27, April live cattle up 52, 118.80. Lower feeder cattle, November down 25, 140.60, January down 20 cents at 140.20, the March contract down 35 at 139.20. Cash fed cattle market still at a standstill on Wednesday afternoon. We had the online fed cattle exchange, which we have every Wednesday. However, not much happening there. No sales reported. 1,119 had offered for sale, but no interest in any of those cattle. We did see asking prices from the feedlots on Wednesday at 112. No bids reported so far from the packers. Boxed beef prices mixed, choice up five cents, two twenty two thirty, select down twenty-three, two oh eight thirty-two. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. East Texas livestock in Crockett, Texas, selling two thousand eight hundred twenty-five head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar forty-seven to a dollar ninety-two, three to four hundred pounders, a dollar thirty-three to a dollar ninety. Four to five weight steers, $1.23 to $1.84. 
Five to six hundred pounders a dollar eighteen to a dollar fifty four. Six to seven weight steers brought a dollar ten to a dollar forty a pound. Slaughter cows thirty nine to sixty four cents. Slaughter bulls seventy one to eighty seven. Stocker cows brought six forty to eleven twenty five ahead. Brazos Valley Livestock Commission in Bryan, Texas, selling 1,069 head. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.60 to 205 a pound. Three to 400 pounders, $1.58 to 201. Four to five weight steers, $1.45 to 201. Five to 600 pounders, $1.28 to $1.46. Six to seven weight steers, $1.14 to $1.30. And the heavy seven to eight weight steers brought a dollar ten to a dollar eighteen a pound. Slaughter cows thirty-five to fifty-nine cents. Slaughter bulls sixty-six to eighty. Stocker cows brought seven fifty to eleven thirty-five ahead. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs were lower. December down thirty-two cents, closing at sixty-four eighty. February hogs down seventeen sixty-six forty. Class 3 milk futures lower as well. November milk down 33 cents, 23.48. The December down 76 at 1905 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed lower, still feeling the pressure from Tuesday's World Ag Supply and Demand Report from USDA showing an increase in the U.S. cotton crop. Also, traders keeping an eye on Hurricane Ada as it tries to make a second landfall in Florida. We close with December cotton down 57 points, 69.28. The March contract down 27, 71.38 Kansas City wheat closed lower, taking back some of the big gains we saw after Tuesday's crop report. December wheat down seven and a quarter, 554 and a quarter. July wheat down six and three quarters. 572 and a half. And the corn market gave back some of those gains we saw on Tuesday also. December corn down five and three quarters, closing at 417 and a quarter. Energy markets moving higher with December natural gas up nine cents, 304. December crude oil up 16, 41.52 a barrel. The financial markets mixed. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 113 points, 29,306. NASDAQ up 196 at 11,750, and the S&P 500 up 16 points, 3,562. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up yet another edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right back here tomorrow bringing you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.